In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our PaizoCon Online 2023 seminar coverage. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Starfinder Nuts and Bolts panel. Uh, my name is Thurston Hillman. I am the Managing Creative Director for Starfinder. And today we are going to talk to you about the upcoming Starfinder Enhanced book. But before we deep dive this uh, exciting new product, I want to bring on our other panelists, starting with John Compton. Oh, man. Hi, I'm John Compton. I'm a senior developer. I've worked on Starfinder for a while. Now I'm working on Pathfinder Adventure Paths, which means I get to show off some of the few last projects I worked on in Starfinder and make ludicrous promises the rest of the team has to fulfill. That sounds about right. Uh, next up, Dustin. Hi, uh, my name's Dustin Knight. I am the one who has to try to fulfill all those ludicrous promises for I am the developer at Starfinder with a focus on rules content such as this very book. Jessica. Hi, my name is Jessica Catalan. I am the organized play line developer for the Starfinder Society and a frequent freelance author for Starfinder, which is why I'm here today. And last but not least, returning from uh, the previous panel is Nostralamus here, who may give us secrets about Starfinder Enhanced as we carry on. So uh, let's let's talk about Starfinder Enhanced, everybody. So Starfinder Enhanced is our uh, book that's going to be coming out around the end of this year. It's a 192-page hardback rulebook for, for Starfinder that is meant to enhance your game and add new content to your game. So I want to talk about what that means for a moment. First of all, this is a player options. This this book is stacked full of player options. If people didn't like adding numbers to the end of this, this could have just been character operations manual too. But we filled it full of even other more stuff um, that kind of kind of made it its own its own product. But really, it has just so many player options. I'm going to say that a lot this panel. We also stuck some GM options in there, some some new optional rules, and you know, really, really taking a look at some of our classes as well. We're going to talk about the enhanced classes that appear in this book, um, but you know, we're going to kind of go through stuff in order, um, really deep dive it. We've got the cover for this product up. We're just going to you know, see if we can get that pulled up here. Look at that amazing art, everybody. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Just. The, the swarms of cybernetic zombies fighting our uh, new enhanced Solarian and our uh, enhanced Witch Warper. Now, now, John, you were kind of, I think, I think you were involved a little bit with when this art was coming through just before you uh, you headed out, out uh, or headed off to Pathfinder land, not, 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 you know, left us. But yeah, that was a pretty, pretty cool art piece there. Yeah, that was, that was a fun one um, that the team kind of worked on. And then we got a couple of fun sketches back and we were just like, more intense, more action, more zombies. Um, and and so the, the back and forth we had with the art in the final uh, turnout was was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the artist for that was uh, Ignacio uh, Bazan Lazcado, uh, who did just a stunning job. Now, how about, y'all, we dive into some of the content of this book? I think that's why people are here. I think people want to know the secrets. We want to hear exactly what sorts of things and we're going to go through this book this is going to be probably like the most most in-depth you're going to hear about this book before you have it in your hands so so buckle up get ready uh and we're going to start with uh one thing that a lot of our books have which are themes 
starting off this product, you know, we have a, a whole bunch of new themes in this book uh, for your characters to use as sort of their, their, their background to their to their characters. Um, there's a couple in here that are pickups from some of our Adventure Path back matter, so you'll recognize things like the Battle Medic, the Diplomat, the Paranormal Investigator, all of those are getting recompiled here. Uh, but also some, some new options here. Um, we're going to see the Rancher, the Vid Gamer, and one of my personal favorites that I think we have uh, art here for is the personal trainer. Let's look at this personal <laughs> trainer. Is it a great? Oh, oh no. Is it that? Is that just amazing? Like just just that art piece. It's like, well, well, yeah. And and they have they have such such great abilities as morning calisthenics or therapeutic sports massage. That you too can have with your character, um, and you know, share with the party. In in fact, really share with the party because morning calisthenics lets you spend a resolve at the start of your day to get some temporary hit points, and then have your group join in and join in the calisthenics with you to also spend resolve for temporary hit points. I I'm really excited. There's some there's some really really fun stuff in here. I know there's a couple others. Um I'm not sure if any of you y'all had ones that jumped out at you that you'd want to know more about or were just excited while while looking at them, but there are some some pretty fun ones here. I'm I'm just initially curious about the personal trainer. Does it have an ability where it's like I hate you so much, which is an ability for your party members to tell you to please stop waking them up early to to lift weights? <laughs> uh well no but it's 18th level ability is called deadlift so i assume that just is you know a great pun <laughs> i also really oh. like the the street magician uh they have an ability called yes. now you see me and another one called mm. now you don't and i just appreciate that <laughs> oh Oh, the very, the very, very oh. good play on words we have in some of these. Yes, um, oh, I, I love the vid gamer getting augmented reality, letting them use their comm unit as a combat controller to uh, shoot uh, a vehicle gun mounts and other gun emplacements, uh, like they're playing a video game. I think that's uh, uh, super fun. Yes. Well, so after themes, we we come into. Uh, I think one of the things that people really like dive into when they get into Starfinder and probably one of the most popular things we have in our game species we have we have a lot of species in this book so again we're we're giving we're giving we're giving away all the secrets so once again we have some pickups in here uh you'll see some uh fan favorites from AP back matters uh Elibrians and Diffians Moishu. I know what Moishu are because I've had a player play one in one of my home campaigns. I know Librians. I know Indifians. But yeah, they, they were all in AP Back Matter, so a lot of people haven't heard of them before. So uh, we're we're pulling them into this book as well. We're also uh, taking some of the the uh, the alien uh, species deck we we did a while back and uh, converting some of those from the cards that existed into sort of a hardback presentation. That's going to include a lot of fan favorites. So for people who've been asking, you know, we've got Knowles, we got Gripley, we got Kyle, Fetchlings for those of you who knew them like that, uh, Kitsune, Samsarin, all of those are going to be covered um, in this book. And it's pretty exciting to see them just get, get you know, full page write-ups here. Then there's new ones. Then, then there are new ones, and we've got you know we've we've previewed in our blog Novians, which are cute little embodiments of dying suns that are teeny tiny and float around and are adorable. Um, we have the Elenia. We have playable holograms. That's right, you can play a hologram. And then we have our next piece of art, 
the Scuridaids, which if you're a fan of creatures of the more furb variety, this this <laughs> might this might be a species you want to play. Uh, the Scuridaids are one of the yes the, yes it is playable. I need to to stress this immediately. You can play this species, um, and they have a sonic cone breath weapon that they can unleash on their foes um, and also have an ability just called gregarious um, oh and they can fly with clumsy maneuverability that's right <laughs> that's right that's how, right how, how how do these tool how do these gun um do you do you really do you really need to to know the specifics of how they gun they gun with the power of magic and love Oh, okay. Very good. So it's yeah, shoulder. Very good, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I know that like there's there's a lot of different species in here. I believe like Jessica, you worked on the Novians, which we previewed a bit earlier in our blog, right? Yeah, yeah. I wrote the Novians. Novians was one of the two that I got to pitch and concept completely and write. Uh, that was Novians and Holograms, which was super fun. Yeah. Yeah, holograms. Dustin, you were particularly excited about holograms, weren't you? Oh, I was. Yes, you get to play as a as an AI powered core that projects a hard light body around yourself, and uh, you know you could you could change your appearance a little bit, but just just the idea of playing, you know, the hologram that's come to life uh, as your character is is so. There's so many different angles you could take that at. I, I absolutely love it, and uh, their whole described as having this thirst for life and wanting to learn, and oh. It's they're going to make some. I, I want to hear about your hologram characters, but but not as much as your Kitsune characters because I see your your Twitter tag is at Warlock Kitsune <gasps> and they're in here, right? So you get to to have those from this book as well. Man, when I read the write up for this, I I love the the the, the write up for for the Kitsune is is absolutely fantastic. Um, and hey, I got to make chain shape kind of function like the chain shape universal monster rules, so I was really happy I was able to do that. It's just one of my little. One of my little things as a player I always wanted to adjust. Sweet. And then we, we have one more. We have the, the L and I, but we're going to keep that one. We can't, we can't literally give the whole book away. You're going to have to wait for that one. But the L and I are a very cool species that you'll also get to, uh, to experience with this. And that kind of brings us to an end of species. We're going we're gonna to hop a bit ahead now to, to archetypes. Uh, this book, along with a oh good lord amount of class features also has an oh good lord amount of archetypes in it this was uh originally when we were pitching starfinder enhanced you know archetypes was a it was a very core component of this book we wanted to make sure just to you know bulk up those numbers for archetypes because we just haven't had as many and you know um maybe there's even some rules in here for a free archetype that i've heard people have really enjoyed in a pathfinder second edition so you know maybe maybe getting a little free archetype option in starfinder for all of these new archetypes that are going to be in this book are pretty pretty rad i know uh for some of the ones we have in here you know we have the armored visionary which uh you know some of you might have some ties between that and the old signifier for the hell knights uh we've got an Audios, an auto site which uh one of their abilities is just you have your own personal soundtrack so Get ready. Uh, an exalted champion, which is a uh, kind of a furtherance of the divine champion. It uh, kind of takes that uh, archetype, which showed up in Pack World, and uh, as we like to say, takes it further beyond uh, with a whole variety of new specific deity options for that. 
we also have the major league coach. Yeah, that's right. Your character can take the major league coach archetype with such abilities as huddle, trick play, and playbook. I don't even know what all of those abilities do off the hop off the top of my head, but I would play it just for having abilities called. Um, and then finally, uh, for for some of the ones we're going to preview today, the menagerie manager, which we have a uh, we have art for too. I believe. look at it, look at it, <laughs> look at that. That alien is so happy to to be there, don't you think, everybody? I I was told when I acquired this pet that it would get no heavier than ten pounds. <laughs> <laughs> It has such such archetype oh. uh, abilities as flock tender, just a little push, social graces, rescue pet, and care package. I love the names of all of these. Villains. Like you can get combat trained like companions. You can get bonus feats for for some of your uh, for some of your little little guys. It's it's really exciting. Um, just yeah like building off of some of those like creature companion rules we first introduced in alien archive 3 is very exciting uh how about the rest of you any any of those uh those particular archetypes jumping out at you or things you're just excited to to see appearing in the game or or that i've prattled off here and are like tell me more uh i love the light splayer it's a hologram and laser focused uh, archetype that gets a uh, six level ability called glitter bomb Oh my gosh, it I think does. One the, I'm just reading that. <gasps> so cool. I, I think one of the uh, most important and possibly overdue archetypes for this entire book and the brand is the counselor. Uh, Starfinder, mm. as you can see from our art alone, introduces some traumatic things that are going to haunt your players forever. So why not gain the abilities to help them work through uh, all of their stress and, and terror uh, that will haunt them forever? Also, it has a class ability just called Additional Spoons, which I think we could all want that in our lives, right? <laughs> that, by the way, on a 10-minute rest allows you, uh, when you regain stamina, uh, you can bolster uh, an ally, giving them a resolve point. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You can listen to them and let them keep their resolve while everyone else rests. You just just take it in. How about you, uh, Jessica? Anything uh, else jumping out at you on the archetype side of things? Yeah, you named it already. Menagerie Manager is my favorite. I, now that yeah. this will be out, my daughter will officially never take any other archetype ever. Everyone will be a Menagerie Manager. Especially so based on bunnies. that art. Especially just based <laughs> so on that many. art with that cute little critter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many. Uh, all right. All right. How about we hop into to another segment here? Uh, Let's talk about feats. Um, you know, one of the things when we were pitching this, and I, John and I were the two around when this book was pitched, um, one of the things that really kind of went around at that point was us uh, talking about what this book needed. And I remember sitting there being like, we need more feats. Please, more feats. Just a lot more feats. If we could just have a book that's just a lot more feats. Uh, and, well, um, this book accomplishes that. Um uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This book has over 90 feats in it. That's right, 9-0. There are over 90 new feats in this book. Um, so we, we aren't able to go through all of them. But... Oh, why, Thirsty? Oh, you sure? Oh, oh, okay. Um, well, I suppose... Um, we'll start A, no, uh, no, Aerial no. Evasion, uh, Akaton <laughs> Battery Hack. Anti-Grenadier, improved Anti-Grenadier, uh, Arcane Repository. I, I just was reading through the oh, list. 
and I and I misread the trusted companion one as trusted Compton, and I was like, oh, that shouldn't have gotten through development. <laughs> That's clearly fiction. <laughs> so uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna maybe hit on some of our favorites, things that we liked from, from that list. I'm gonna like start off with uh, the one I just ended on there, Arcane Repost. Um, which essentially boils down to if you fail to cast a spell because you, you take an attack of opportunity. So maybe you're, you've got a Vesk with a Doshko in your face and you decide to cast a spell and they thwack you with that Doshko, you'd lose your spell. But uh, with this feat, you deal seven uh, points of damage per spell level to your attacker. Now this enables some really cool character builds. Like you could just be a spellcaster who takes nothing but out of combat utility spells and then runs up to enemy melee combatants, starts waving your hands, casting a cozy cabin, and then you get thwacked in the face and damage them um honestly it's it's just such a such a neat um such a neat feat in my mind just because it it helps you out sort of in those close combat situations and lets you do something even if you do lose a spell uh what about the rest of you any any feats you've had that have sort of jumped out at you as like oh wow i really want xyz project manager oh i mean that, that's another one just from the name alone where you're like, what? And uh, Project Manager is one which allows you to better coordinate your group, particularly when they're using Aid Another to help you, so that you can gain uh, stacking bonuses from Aid Another when they're, when they're uh, following your lead based on your Charisma modifier. Nice. Nice. Don't take charisma as a dump stat ever. Um, it's, the, it's the most important stat, y'all. You just don't realize it yet. Uh, Dustin, you, you have one? Uh, I love gag gift, being able to dirty trick to put a grenade on somebody uh, that will explode. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, the exploding part. It would be very sad if you just gave them a grenade that didn't explode. Free grenade. <laughs> I mean, that would just get out of you. Ah, yeah, true. Uh, I really like Avenger. When an ally is brought below zero hit points, you can spend some resolve to just attack them because you're just really ticked off about it. Get some sweet vengeance. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, yeah, that, do you attack your ally? Program. Not, not your fallen friend. You attack who knows the last time. Like no falling unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was about to say that would that would be a very very specific feat that would you know fit at a bunch of tables. Um, but, but Jessica, if you don't hit them while they're down, they'll never learn. <laughs> Uh, here's what I think the spellcasters would like. Uh, bear down, which is when an enemy succeeds a save against your spell, you could spend resolve points in another spell slot of equal or higher to force them to reroll at a minus two penalty, which just is really good for those like moments where you know they get the clutch save off or maybe you really want to force an effect on them. Like that, I think casters are really gonna like that. I also think, you know, there's some some fun ones in there with other um other types of play we've also got starship combat covered in here too so you know firing solution is like oh use physical science instead of piloting for attack rolls when you're firing your weapons or something outside of starship combat something like comedic timing you know once per day make a joke to let an ally re-roll a failed bluff diplomacy intimidate check and uh you know that's pretty useful in a lot of cases. So hopping in with a little crack to let your ally reroll when they roll that nat one. There you go. There you go. Uh, also, um, Starship Aficionado, where once per Starship Combat, you can encourage someone without making a check. So just like a guaranteed, like, hey, I really need you to hit this. Please hit this. Some some really, really fun feats in here. Any any other ones uh, people want to talk about while we're, oh. while we're in the feat land? 
Spellcasters are going to see some amazingly, amazing cool feats in here. A Mystic Opportunist uh, gives the enemy a penalty to their saving throw against your spells if they're under the effects of Harrying Fire, uh, which is which is nice. fantastic. Um, spell Gem Eater lets you consume your spell gems to get some bonus spell slots. Uh, there's also Lay Leech, which lets you get bonus spell slots when you successfully counterspell someone. Uh, so all very, very cool uh, utilities here for spellcasters who just want to focus on the spellcasting. Sweet, sweet. Okay, okay. So, uh, Jessica, John, any other ones you want to hit on, or should we leave them the other, I don't know, like 80, 90, 70-plus feats that we haven't spoiled for the book? <laughs> There's a lot of feats, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I appreciate that there's some starship-adjacent feats in here, too, but... Yes, absolutely. This is going to be great for everyone. Just like I, I, every time I look, I see something in there where I'm like, "Huh, that, that's actually going to be super useful," or like could could enable an interesting build. Um, but I think I think maybe we uh, we step step a bit forward. Well, back in the book because feats come after classes. But we're gonna we're gonna go into class options now. Uh, starting off with I think one of the core concepts of this book, which is the the enhanced classes. So there are four enhanced classes in this book. It's going to include the Envoy, the Salarian, the Technomancer, and the Witchworker. And you're probably wondering, what's, what's an enhanced class? What, what's all this about? Um, so one of, the, one of the goals with this book was to look at some of the classes that exist in Starfinder and, you know, look at how they played at the table. A lot of us have, you know, tons of table experience we've we've seen how these classes have gone through um and you know there's always sort of that moment of like oh this is this is cool but maybe we could make it a little bit more you know add a little something a little little spice to it not a not necessarily let's just make it entirely better or you know let's completely redo the class but instead let's look at what the class is doing right now and maybe things that could make it more more enjoyable for folks at the um, and so we we picked four of the classes where we really thought there were opportunities for us to make those changes. Um, John, I know you you did some of these yourself, I believe. I uh, mm -hmm. think you were responsible for, was it two of these or? Three of them, I think. Three of them. Yes, yes, that was three of them, yes. Um, with obviously like the, the whole team sort of discussing and being like, hey, I remember you came to me, it's like, Thirsty, you have thoughts on Witch Warper. And I'm like, Allow me to give you a novel and we will discuss these. Um, but then we started going through and seeing like where we could, could make changes. So, you know, John, what was that process like for you before we dive into exactly what these changes were? Yeah, I think um, I think there are a couple of different things that go into this. And it, it's kind of we can examine from a, a positive and a negative perspective, because there are certain things where we were like, OK, here is here's a your positive experiences or positive uh, thoughts that we have about a particular class. And we want to make sure that it can do more of that um and and the other the negative side is sort of a uh what thirsty was getting at just a moment ago of like oh yeah we all have a lot of table experience and sometimes we see some places where these classes either underperform or fail to live up to the the concept that the class really embodies um or gets overshadowed or or somehow creates an unfun play experience. So one that I'll uh, quickly channel uh, from this is more Thirsty's experience, but it became kind of one of the the iconic uh, narratives is one of the uh, players in one of his games played an envoy and uh, would basically have to spend every turn using get em. Um Otherwise, they would feel that they were underperforming in some way. And so like one of the things that we were looking at for the envoy is how to make it so that 
not only when you're choosing Envoy abilities that you feel that you have more, more freedom to go beyond kind of the core Envoy improvisations of get them and, and, and restoring stamina and things like that, but also how your, your round by round action economy can change up and be more versatile, uh, making it so that you don't feel that you might feel pressured into a constant support role, but you can be doing some of your Envoy support activities while still doing your own dang thing. Um, so these positive and negative uh, elements were a lot of what really steered our design for these enhanced classes. Oh, wait, Nostralamus is whispering some, oh, okay. Nostralamus is telling me we can share some of uh, what's going on uh, with some of these enhanced classes. Uh, starting, and and some artwork. Oh my gosh, we have artwork for some of these enhanced classes. Let's, you know what? Let's dive in. Let's start with the the enhanced envoy. Um, our updated Navasi, who has uh, gone uh, super god mode um dragon ball um with uh, <laughs> stunning hair and stunning shoulder pads um yeah so so the the enhanced envoy is is one that's really exciting john was just touching on a lot of um a lot of the sort of play experience uh you know feedback and things that i'd noticed at my tables and others had you know often reported to me so i i've already talked about this in some some other interviews but one of the the one of the cool abilities that I immediately read for the Enhanced Envoy that was really exciting was, you know, Inspiring Combo, which is basically do a full action to make an attack and use one of your implementations. There's a bit of a recharge on that. You don't do it every round, but oh boy, do you get to, you know, make that, do that thing that your class does, but also have that moment of like Han Solo fires the laser pistol too, because that's that's pretty important. Um, then we get some some other abilities we haven't talked about before, but like, signature support so you can pick from from a list like you know clever faint or get them or inspiring boost to name a few um and if you spend resolve points um then you you basically you you don't have to spend resolve points you can do this uh up to a number of times for, for like envoy level you have which is pretty exciting so like you can you can kind of have those signature support things where you're not draining your resolve points which is good because you're going to want those resolve points for some stuff um later on in this book because you know in, in we, fact, we like I, giving you options <laughs> i realize uh you're, you remind me of one of a uh, third concept that came up in these enhanced classes and starfinder enhances whole um, again, channeling a little bit of Thirsty's uh, talking points, but um, looking back at our various classes, character builds, and the like, and asking what is resolve, what are resolve points doing here? Like, are they just to not die, or are we using them proactively for something fun? And some of our classes do that a lot better than others. Um, like Biohacker has very few uses of resolve points, um, but if you look at Envoy, they have a whole bunch of them. So. How, how do resolve points function and, and why would I want to use them uh, as opposed to saving them was a big thing as well. Yeah. And and so like some some other examples of, of really engaging options here is like at 11th level, you get an ability called lead by example, which is when you crit a foe, you can just use an improvisation, you know, as a reaction before the end of your turn. So now like you're doing something, you're getting this cool way of, of, of continuing to, to use your abilities. And then um, a 14th level ability that is when allies like score crits, you now crit on a 19 or a 20 for the remainder of the combat. If another ally crits, increase it to 18 plus. Us. Um, so this is like this really fun, engaging way of like helping your allies and having your allies do cool things will now improve what's going on. And I think that the new Envoy is really going to, or not new Envoy, but I'll say enhanced Envoy. I'm seeing in the chat too, a lot of people are, you know, wondering, you know, how, how difficult, how intuitive is it going to be to bring these classes in? Honestly, just 
Like it, these will pretty much overlay on most of the classes fairly intuitively. So yeah. Um, which which let's let's jump to our to our second class um here, our second enhanced class, one we haven't talked about before at all. Uh the Salarian, the enhanced Salarian. So Salarian is one of those classes that um certainly had a lot of ability score um juggling that was going on and when this this class was coming about there was a lot of changes to give abilities that factor in your charisma um to to allow you you know if you put more stuff into charisma it's going to give you some some benefits um beyond just like you know initial level benefits for having charisma um so you know starting off is like the attunement surge so now when you have um you know, to attunement in you know graviton or photon, you can spend two without an action to gain some some different effects, like getting an insight to your reflex saves, uh, or the first time you damage a creature um, with your insight, you increase the the damage you're doing. So um, there's some other options as well in there. Um, then one one that I really like that I think is just super exciting. Oh, John, uh, go ahead and cover that ability. Then I'll talk about a design principle. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about just really quickly combat uh, um, meditation, which is a third level thing that lets you just as a full round action, make a charisma check to just gain attunement. And the great thing about that is, is you can have that that round where you're kind of going R, and then you're <laughs> able to supernova on the next turn, which I think is very thematic and will honestly help out a lot of people with, with how they, they might play the game. As well. John. So um, one of the so whereas Envoy and Witch Warper were ones that Thirsty brought his his own little piles of paper and plopped them on our uh, virtual desks, uh, Solarian was one that I uh, came to the team with a lot of feedback on because I enjoy playing Solarians. Um, and Thirsty mentioned the idea of like, okay, how do we make charisma more relevant? Um, but one of the other things that I had uh, an observation of was that the attunement uh, tracking and process was very felt very binary. Um, especially with how quickly some Starfinder combats can go. I, I've had a lot of experiences, both playing and playing alongside Slarians, where you know you get to that third attunement point and, oh, combat's over. Um, or there's just that one little straggler, so why is it even worth supernovaing? Things like that. And so I wanted to make sure that not only were there ways to, if you wanted to, kind of try to accelerate your attunement track by spending some of your actions, which she just covered, but also how can I make use of um my attunement points even if i don't have all three yeah yeah the 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 last ability i think factors somewhat into that and gives you kind of more more bang for your buck when using certain abilities is this uh, ability called aftershock at eighth level which is you know when you use one of your zenith revelations uh you gain a benefit for uh one round or d6 rounds if you spend a resolve when this happens and so like for graviton for example you then calculate your AC using charisma instead of dex. Um, so if you've got a higher charisma than your dex, your AC will go up for those rounds. So it gives you this like desire to sort of like get up there, pop your zenith, and then okay, now I'm getting this this bonus to my AC. Which you know, if I spend a resolve, it's stacking um, for for a couple rounds. Photon is you calculate your attack and damage mods with charisma instead of strength or dex. Does not stack with soul fire. I know I'm going to get people asking about that, so I'm just putting it out there. Uh, but yeah, alternatively, your next alternatively, yeah, your next successful attack gains damage equal to your charisma mod. So there's like this really interesting play of you know doing these zenith revelations and then maybe spending some resolve. It's taking all these different abilities that exist in the game and actually letting you play with your toys. Um, 
which yeah, very very exciting, very very exciting. I think Solarian's one that is going to see a lot of updated play and a lot of different build types. All right, third third enhanced cost. We're we're we're, we're we got we got thirty minutes left, and there's still a lot of book to cover. Everybody, we're trying to get through all the spoilers again. Yeah, exactly. All right, here is the enhanced Technomancer. This is this is Raya the Technomancer. Uh, Technomancers are one of those classes that certainly, um, as a spellcaster, I think you know. Give you give you spell casting at a at a baseline, which is which is good and, and awesome. But we want to make sure that you know some of our classes are defined more than just hey, I cast spells. Especially as we've kind of gone through the edition more and more, we've seen some you know innovative things with witch warpers and precogs. Well, we wanted to go back to the to the technomancer and look at that as well. And two of the two of the sort of big abilities, I would say, um, for for the technomancer, the enhanced technomancer is like the technomantic talent. So. Um, Every three levels, you get to pick a school of magic, uh, because our game still has those, um, and you gain an effect that you can invest multiple times into, you know, the same one or into different ones. Uh, so, for example, like the one that made me just my eyes go wide and be like, well, lol, what? Um, if you take this technomantic talent for evocation, the first dice is maximum damage on a damage roll from an evocation spell. So you can stack that up to four times. So if you take every three levels, you take that first four dice are just max damage, which is pretty <laughs> spicy. Um, if, ne necromancy is another good one. Anytime you like roll a d20, uh, like an attack or a save, you can reroll the d20 as reaction. Like, ah, so good, so good. And again, you can take these a couple of times to stack them, which I think is is really really exciting. Um, and then we, we we also have the the other ability, uh, deconstructivist, um, which is that your spell DCs are two higher for constructs with a technological trait, uh, one higher for non constructs with technological, uh, and does stack with um, like spell focus, but not other sources. So this is really good for you know the technomancer who's supposed to interface with technology and be able to use spells <laughs> to mess up technology um, when they go into an organized play scenario for the eight hundred. Uh, appearance of the security patrol class robot they will have higher abilities and chances to hurt it you know it's true though those 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 patrol robots show up in in everything and so we want to give you more chances to smash them better um any any other uh, thoughts or commentary on the uh the technomancer uh, i think my main point is going to really apply more to witch warper which is about resource tracking and then uh, resource access all right all right well there's nothing else then let's let's hop over to let's let's do the witch warper this is like this is my personal cross that i've borne for a while because i <laughs> also had a player who was involved with the original playtest of the witch warper and maybe we uh we tune we changed some things in the playtest as a result and i think some of the play experience for the witch warper you know did suffer a bit especially at early levels that was something i came to the team with a lot of feedback on i think one of the problems with uh, early on witch warpers was you kind of felt like your spell slots really determined just how awesome you could be in a day. Uh, and so John, I know, took that feedback and uh, kind of ran with it, John, didn't you? Yeah, because um, to kind of draw out that point a little bit, it, like Technomancer and uh, Witch Warper like, both had just a limited number of times they could be iconically awesome per day. Like your Technomancer can shoot a gun as many times as they want, but they still are only casting like three spells. So. Um, particularly with Witch Warper, though, this was really pointed because your spell slots were not only your spells, but had to be used to fuel your infinite worlds. And so it became, it became a class that was defined more by 
ways to use a very limited resource as opposed to ways to enjoy both of those ways of using your resources independently and not feel that you're having to make it a devil's bargain every time. So one of the things that the Enhanced Witch Warper does is they get a small pool of uses of their infinite world's ability per day that's not uh, tied strictly to their spell slots so that they can use that infinite worlds and not feel that they're losing out on all the other cool things they can cast. Um, we also looked at the various infinite worlds um, uh, effects, um, both the long, the environmental ones and the instantaneous ones, and did kind of a, a look at like, okay, which of these are accomplishing something that feels about on par with their level, which of these might need a little bit of tweaking. The main one that we really identified uh, clearly was, I think it was the environmental for second level, which originally did like a point of damage per spell level, which doesn't feel like a lot of oomph for, for mm -hmm. using one of your spell slots. So that's been a little bit retuned. Um, but the other great thing for the Witch Warper has been exploring more of its idea of alternate outcomes, alternate possibilities, and even parallel activity. So there's something yes. a little bit later on uh, called, ooh, let's see, I think it's Overload Reality, where you're kind of pushing beyond um, what you should be able to do in one turn, possibly even by channeling one of your alternate uh, realities to help you do an activity so that you can do a spell and an infinite worlds simultaneously uh, a limited number of times per day. Yes, yes, that one was was really cool to me because I love the idea of, yeah, just being able to do things like I cast a spell and I use this other ability rather than like having this this choice, but you still have a choice later on. Um, also, I know a lot of people have often brought up um, Witch Warper and skills and that, you know, Witch Warpers don't have as much in the skill department that some of the other classes have, you know, sort of bespoke skill things. So one of them is the otherworldly skill, which is they get to just choose an additional skill and add it as a class skill, which, you know, is, is pretty good off the bat, but... Then we play off of that later on at, like, I think it's fifth level and then every five levels after um, with Parallel Minds. You you can reduce your number of ranks in a skill and invest them in other skills, but also replace your skill chosen for otherworldly skills. So, like, this this neat option of just, oh, hey, here's the skill that I've taken. And at first level, I, I did survival because we really needed that at the beginning of the game. But then we realized, oh, actually, I don't need survival at all. It's kind of pointless in this this, this campaign. Now, I'm going to take stealth or I'm going to take something else. It's, it's this really neat way of allowing them to swap around uh, skills just in the baseline of the class without retraining or anything. Oh, and and finally, because because, you know, we like giving all the spoilers here. One of their 11th level abilities, ideal outcome is when you re-roll, you can re-roll a third time. We break all the rules now. Are you like, <laughs> I don't like the second re-roll. I'm re-rolling again, um, which is pretty, pretty, pretty gnarly when we look at it. Um, but I think that sort of brings us up to all of the, all of the enhanced classes. Um, any, uh, any, any final thoughts from people on these enhanced classes uh, before we, we maybe do a quick, quick little uh, run through of some of the, uh, the other class options that are in the book? I'm good. Good? Good. Sweet. Okay. Other class options. Okay, basically every other class gets stuff in this book, and these classes too. So these enhanced classes, uh, these, the, the typical enhanced spread takes up two pages, but then the class also gets stuff. So you're going to get, or actually four pages of extra content. So for example, the enhanced envoy in this book gets a two-page spread of just the enhanced options, and then a four-page section for just new envoy abilities that you can have. Uh, and we go through this with every class, including... Um, 
all of our new classes, like the evolutionist, uh, the nano site, the precog, they all get four pages of content. Um, we cannot possibly, with the time we have remaining to us, go through all of them, but there are some pretty neat things. I know the evolutionist gets the divine niche, which is like a just just a, a neat a neat new niche for you to explore we haven't had an opportunity to really introduce a lot of those um just, yeah a variety of different classes i want to kind of maybe pass it on to some of my panelists if there was anything in the class options sections that uh sort of jumped out at them as as they were going through whether it be you know just just an ability or you know a new class path <clears throat> anything like that uh I, I love the the operative has a series of feats that begin or exploits that begins with the exploit mysterious benefactor uh, someone you don't know who is uh, leaving you little hints and clues to help you with some of your skill challenges and uh, as you if you wish to invest more uh, more operative exploits into this uh, you could begin to sort of unlock their identity until you could pick up the 14th level uh, ability puppet master and become one of the operatives of that mysterious organization and then help your allies in ways that they might not realize you're helping them out now because they're now working on behalf of this mysterious organization which there's so many fun ways you could uh talk to your gm about that ability and be like uh do you think this is appropriate for the campaign and they could just be like maybe take it and find out yeah any any, any this other whole time people <laughs> fox has been uh promoting all of dustin's characters activities and now the dead is <laughs> I really love the I really love the mystic options that are in here. Mystics are my favorite class, so uh, I appreciate there's multiple new mystic connections in here. Uh, but my favorite is shifter, which is all about shape shifting all or part of your body into other forms. You get like an actual weapon that you can choose every time you use it, and when you can cast spells, you can gain like scales and things to gain better defenses and DR and energy resistance. You can polymorph into all kinds of shapes, of course. But at 19th level, you can shapeshift into a colossal terrestrial creature or a massive mm -hmm. living starship, which is just all kinds of fun. Oh, that's so rad. Uh, that's so rad. So cool. I remember developing that. I think that was one of the last things I worked on. <laughs> <laughs> I um, turn into a starship and I walk out the door. John Compton. We're <laughs> <laughs> just like... Look, people wanted new starship combat options. I am the starship. And that way I can, uh, you know, play a mystic who doesn't care what the pilot says and just do my own damn thing. Also, um, very, very true. The, uh, the, the biohacker uh, has a new field of study called hypermycology, which is basically not just how can I understand fungi, but how can I push them beyond, beyond, beyond their limits? Um, so your various inhibitors and boosters are things that will kind of augment and sprout and and uh affect healing and possibly inhibit healing but later on you get a breakthrough which is basically like causing sudden mycological growth in somebody to open up new little micro evolutions in them uh that hopefully will not have harmful side effects yes yes um i'll, I'll throw one one in um so the precog, near and dear to my heart, because I did uh, did the initial pass on that class, uh, gets a new anchor, the seer class, uh, the seer anchor, which is pretty obvious because it's literally the anchor that is you're just like a fortune teller or an insightful diviner who, you know, just sees the future on behalf of yourself and others. You're like the sage offering advice. So rather than, you know, a lot of the um, the, the kind of 
oh, hey, you're tied to a dark future or you've had like a temporal displacement. No, this is just like you are one of those kind of atypical characters of, ah, yes, I, you know, know things and come into my fortune telling box that will disappear after you come in. Um, they get some some really, really fun abilities. They can, you know, have paradoxes for their focal paradoxes, like perception and sense motive to recall knowledge, which is which is fun. Um, but then like their greater anchor allows you to just cast divination. And when you do, you can like basically um you can you can increase the chance of a correct divination based off of the number of your paradox which is super fun so there's some like really interesting and, and fun class options again each of the classes gets um it's like four pages um and then for the enhanced class that'll be six pages so there's just a ton of class content in here which is yeah. great um i really think this is gonna up up what people have access to now that's not to say we don't have a whole bunch of other stuff in here, because we certainly do. And as much as this panel is pulling back the the curtain on things like 90 feet, um, there are certain things we just we aren't even going to have the time to touch on here that are in this book, like um, sections on designing spells and uh, a whole bunch of new spells that are in this book. Although, Dustin, I think you maybe have, I have a, a new spell, spell I need to spoil. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. asking. I've been asking to spoil this because I want to use it uh, on my Mystic in the campaign, and uh, I, oh, yeah, I can't wait any longer. Yeah, you can read the entire thing verbatim because at that point it's basically <laughs> open content. So go ahead. Yes. So fantastical transformations of fifth level spell for all of our casters in a dazzling display of light color, fantastical magical effects, and music. You adopt a flashy battle persona that transforms the appearance of your clothing, equipment, hair, and other features as you desire. For the duration of the spell, one more on per level, you exude a, in majesty a 30-foot radius. Any creature that enters or begins their turn of the radius becomes dazzled, will save, uh, uh, while they're within there and for one round after. Uh, what I love about this is it gives you, as a swift or move action, uh, while the spell is active, uh, special abilities, which I'm loving for casters because they always seem like the class that the most needs those extra options for swift and move actions. Uh, you could either uh, bluff check somebody who's been dazzled by the spell to faint with a plus two bonus, intimidate with a plus two bonus someone who's been dazzled, dirty trick to blind somebody in there, uh, it, it, somebody who's been dazzled by the spell, uh, or up to once per round, fire a bolt of magical energy against EAC to do 4d6 fire and sonic damage. Uh, if they're dazzled, they take four additional damage. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. I've, I oh, when I read it when I was uh, developing this, I I went out and hired an artist to to make a battle persona for my character that uh, I want to uh, show my GM when I first cast the spell. Um, it's it's going to be super fun. That is awesome. Also, yes, it is a spell that is a a magical girl transformation spell. That that is the type of uh, uh, high end content you will get in this book. We also, in addition to spells, have rituals. Uh, two pages of new rituals that are some pretty pretty uh, pretty exciting ones. And uh, creature companions. Oh my gosh, there's more creature companions in here. Uh, Jessica, did you have thoughts on creature companions for this book? I sure do. I adore creature companions in any game we're playing. I'm always happy to see new ones. There are some that fill some missing niches in here. Um, like we've got bone familiars, which are tiny little undead, and liminals, which are fey. Uh, all kinds of cool ones. Uh, I want to shout out a couple though. I love the vividile. He's like a little reptile and he digests radiation so he can lower radiation levels around him. And he also changes color. So he serves as a nice little warning beacon if you're in a place with some bad radiation, which is fun. Uh, the scooter root, which is like 
imagine a sentient plant caterpillar with berry bushes growing on their back. And then you can harvest the little berries and eat them as part of like grooming your little caterpillar. They're adorable and I love them. And the Ebrelair, which is like an adorable tiny fox with big fat or rabbit-like ears. And they can just look adorable to compel people to take care of them and stuff like that. They're super fun. There's lots of cute yes. ones in there. Also, there's equipment. My gosh, is there equipment in this book too? Like we've we've packed so much into this book. I think we have a nice, cool uh, art piece uh, relating to equipment here. Uh, tech had that real fast. <laughs> they're, they're just like you're you're running out of time, Hillman. You're running out of time. Um, okay, we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. But look, look, like this 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 store is about the equivalent of what is in this book, just packed with a lot of different items. We have uh, magic items, tech items, hybrid items grenades a lot of grenades there's like a full two pages of grenade tables there's a lot of grenades the serums we got serums of this book personal items we so 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 many items so many items we can't we can't actually go into detail on the items i i apologize but then we also have a couple other things in this book as we oh good lord there's so much you know uh one thing we've often heard is um you know people have uh have mixed uh mixed mixed feelings on some of the starship combat aspects of the game maybe they don't want the sort of high detailed tactical starship combat they're looking for something a little um a little more abstract a little less uh you know, map and grid style. So one thing that we have in here, uh, I believe uh, was written by our own Jason Keeley was a narrative starship combat that we have rules for. We also have a cool art piece for this too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, so good. Look at that. Just imagine doing that in the, the normal starship combat rules. You would be there for a couple of hours. That's why we have narrative rules though. So you too can, can run a, crazy multi-ship battle narratively in our game um these these rules are you know several pages of just giving you kind of simpler more yeah more more flavor driven um and skill check driven ways of handling a starship combat so very exciting there um Going back a bit to equipment, because I don't want to skip over this. It's also another fairly important part. And I think this was one of yours, John, was scaling equipment. This book also has a system mm. on scaling up your equipment. Is that correct? You want to give us That's... the... Uh, I'll give you three minutes for this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> three minutes uh, so one of the one of the big uh, concerns and feedback when we started Starfinder was how uh, basically you were constantly having to find or acquire new uh, armor and weapons and whatnot to stay up to date. You couldn't necessarily upgrade your existing stuff. Um, so it also made it hard to feel an attachment to any particular piece of gear. Um, scaling equipment uh, covers both weapons and armor so that you can create, not only create custom items for weapons and armor at any given level, but also there are rules for how you can go about uh, upgrading and, and putting credits of material into the particular gear to keep it constant with your own level. Um, the basics of it is that uh, each one of these things provides a basic starting point uh, for the amount of damage, the range of it, some of the other properties, or the amount of EAC and KAC bonus or um, armor check penalty speed modifier, things like that for the basic category of a thing. So if you want a sniper rifle, certain things will start to be true. Uh, if you want heavy armor, then you use X table instead of Y table. But then uh, weapons and armor also slowly gain weapon and armor perks, which are basically little slots that you can use to buy up 
different special weapon properties or armor properties that you've seen in the course of our other publications so that we can gradually customize your thing uh, to be whatever it is you want it to be. Um, and I think there might also still be some uh, options for being able to pay a little bit extra beyond what the normal upgrade cost would be in order to exceed some of these limits just a little bit. Uh, there are also like uh, little grafts that you can put onto your armor form to say, what is the overall concept of my armor? Is it like super bulky and like heavy duty? Um, in which case, cool, maybe it gives a little bit more armor, but in fact, it reduces your speed a little bit more. So that way there are little templates and graft ways to steer whatever it is you want to design and keep it uh, constant throughout the campaign. And as far as pricing goes, um, Oh, so many hours with Excel spreadsheets, but basically uh, we're figuring out what is uh, kind of a fair upgrade cost that um, will balance not only the flexibility that you have in designing your own stuff, but uh, will not break the bank by any means uh, and make you feel as though you're making a bad choice and not just picking up whatever it is that you find along the way rather than upgrading your dear beloved uh, azimuth laser pistol. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, we're we're kind of coming to the to the end of it real quick. We have one more little art piece that shows off some of our GM uh, tools that are, uh, you know, appearing in this book. We're going to give the sort of real quick so look at those commanders. <laughs> look at that. Look at that art piece. It's so good. It never gets old. Uh, that's how I feel as a GM all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the GM tools include such things as alternate skill DCs. We know uh, higher level play especially has some, some trickiness with skill DCs, so we wanted to make sure and give you the latest and greatest tech for that. Free archetype variants, so if you want to get those free archetypes in your game, hey, here's some rules for it. A little bit of discussion on milestone leveling, so for games that aren't necessarily using flat experience to level up, we want to provide some of that. Um, and then finally, a section on resolve points. Um, I, we're not going to deep dive this too much, but this is going to be uh, two pages of just giving you a whole bunch of new uses for resolve points. Um, I've spoiled some of these on previous things, but you know, you get some abilities like, hey, increase the the saving DC by spending uh, on a spell by spending a resolve point. Uh, spend a resolve point to hit with two crit effects instead of one if you have two crit effects. Some of the ones I haven't talked about before, though, uh, might be useful for Mechageddon is uh, you can use a resolve point to grant the mech you're operating two additional move actions or standard actions instead of one. You can give yourself an additional move action on your turn for resolve point. All sorts of uh, really fun and unique op options for resolve points. It's really exciting, and uh, I think they're going to pull the cane on us very soon. So we're going to do our outros right now. Um, I'll start um, in actual order to keep it easy with tech, and let's start with John. Uh, I'm John Compton, senior developer. I'm hanging out in my AMA thread as well as on the Paizo events um, server. You can also find me on the Starfinder and Pathfinder fan discords and at Archeotag on Twitter. Um, yeah, and otherwise, hey, also Pathfinder's thing too. Wee! Yeah. Uh, I'm Dustin Knight, developer Starfinder. You could find me at Warlock Kitsune on Twitter. Please come to my AMA thread, tell me about your character, ask me questions, do whatever you want. It's going to be great. Uh, have a great PaizoCon, everybody. I'm Jessica Catalan, Starfinder Society developer. You can follow me on at D20 Diaries on Twitter. And you can also ask me questions on my Ask Many Things thread on the Paizo Events Discord. 
Hello, and I have been your uh, host for this show, uh, Thurston Hillman, uh, managing director or managing creative director for Starfinder. Uh, you can find me on all the things at On Call GM. Uh, I also GM a show called Narrative Declaration, which I'm going to be running off to to do tonight. But otherwise, I will be in my AMAs. Uh, you can find me there on the Paizo Discord events Discord server, and I'll answer more questions. And if you have some some other questions about Enhanced or just Starfinder in general, I am there and excited to chat. Other Otherwise, thank you all for coming to this panel. We're going to hand it over to three minutes to spare for the next panelist. Easy peasy. We got this. Um, thank you all, and uh, have a great night. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this installment of the PaizoCon Online 2023 Seminar Coverage, brought to you by Paizo and the No Direction Network. For more great gaming podcasts, visit NoDirectionPodcast.com.